Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Consistent Runner Girls Notable Peeps, the series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming, all my dreams are humming, all my dreams are coming true. Welcome to the Notable Peeps Podcast. My name's Steph, and today's guest is seriously notable. Like, I was so intimidated to interview him, so his name's Clint Pulver, and he has done so many different podcast episodes. I'm like, what am I going to ask him when he's been asked all these questions and he shares his story all the time? And so we just sort of dive right in. So head on over to NotablePeeps.com or ClintPulver.com, and I'm going to have all his interviews that he's been on his videos. So if you want more of a backstory, head there. But but really, just to give you a brief synopsis, this is a man that he played the drums professionally for over 20 years. He started the Green Man Group at UVU. He directed the drum line for the Utah Jazz. He had a goal to be in a movie and didn't have any experience and has since been in four movies and his latest one was with Jack Black. He's in the process of writing two books and he also speaks to crowds everywhere about that a single moment in life can change your life. Like seriously, he's so inspiring. So I'm I'm excited for this interview. He talks a lot about, about goals and achieving your goals and when life doesn't go according to plan. And even he he just got married about a year ago and and he was in his 30s when he got married and his experience with dating. And so here you go, Clint Pulver. <laughs> Hello, is this Clint? Steph, what's going on? Clint, so I'm so excited to interview you. You are so cool. I had to do so much research to try to find different questions because you've done so many podcasts oh, and and everything. So yeah, there's like so much you can talk about your life. Well, thanks. That's really nice of you to say. I uh, I'm, I think it's rad what you're doing. How long, how long have you been doing this? So I started in January, but it was a slow-moving process, so I got it up in May. So. Oh, cool. In our interview, you talked about how you had to switch careers. You were a pilot for a little bit. Was that right? Yep, I was. So you are a pilot, but did you have, what was the shift of, were you not able to do that full time or I didn't really grasp that in an interview? Yeah, so I I was the kid that, I I literally had every toy you could buy from Toys R Us uh, of a helicopter and airplane hanging from the ceiling of my bedroom. I just, I loved it. Loved aviation. That was my passion. I wanted to fly. I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. And uh, I I I actually was a senior in high school when I was in flight school. And I I got my driver's license. And then not long after that, I got my pilot's license. So it happened, it happened super quick. And I was on track to do that. And then I came home. I I served a mission. I came home and I went to renew my driver's license and I, I couldn't, I, I put my head in the little device that you're supposed to like read the letters, right? For your vision test. Uh-huh. And I couldn't, I couldn't read them. Oh. I, I couldn't read the, I thought the machine was broken. And I looked at the lady that was there at the DMV and I just said, I, I think your machine's broken. And she's like, honey, I've been here for six hours today. 
I've seen literally almost 150 people. They've all put their head in the device. They've all read the letters, read the letters. And I'm like, ma'am, it's broken. She walks around the desk. She sticks her head in the device. She reads off all the letters. And I, I look at her and I go, ma'am, I can't. I, there's no letters. And she's like, honey, I think you're blind. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? I said, I drove here. And she's like, well, you ain't driving back. <laughs> oh, man. And I... I got denied. I got denied on on my on my my driver's license application because I couldn't pass the vision test. I had to call my mom. My mom came and picked me up from the DMV, and that's when I was diagnosed with a degenerative eye disease called keratoconus. Okay. And uh, at the time, my disease was so bad that my eyesight was about as bad as an eighty-seven-year-old. Oh man! And the, the disease was on 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 par to basically I was going to go blind by age 35, 40 ish. And and then, and then I'd have corneal transplants and they'd take a donor cornea, put that cornea into my eye and maybe, maybe I'd be able to see halfway decent. And, uh, so, and, and so I went to, to, uh, I was diagnosed. I'll never forget it at at the university of Utah, the Moran eye center, uh, Dr. Moshefar, he asked me, he said, what do you want to do for a living? And I said, I want to fly. And he said, no way. He said, that'll never happen. So there I was, you know, as a, as a young person that had my eye literally on the sky and watched as the sky fell in all around me. And I couldn't fly anymore. And so I kind of just, I was that kid that I, I all of a sudden I had no purpose. I had no direction. And so that kind of ended that, that dream somewhat. And so to answer your question, that, that's, that's, what, that's what happened. Man, so like you said, that, that was all what you wanted to do since you were a little kid. You wanted to fly. So how were you able to get that purpose and that direction back? So it's interesting, William Damon out of Stanford, he did a study on youth and purpose. And they found that most people from the ages of like 15 to 25 years old, only about 20% of kids in, in North America or young adults in North America have a clear definition and direction on what their purpose is in life. Only 20%. So that leaves us with 80% of kids that just have no idea of what they want to do. And I was now in this part of the story, I was now that kid that, that was in the 80 percentile. And, and I was like, well, what do I do? You know, I have no direction. So I ended up going to college, right? Like a lot of people do that where they go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just supposed to go to college. So I ended up in college. And the cool thing though, in that study though, Steph, is that they they studied on the 20%. They're like, okay, we got 20% of kids that have found their purpose in life. Why? And they found in the study that the number one contributing factor and the reason for how these kids found their purpose in life was the association and connection with other purposeful people. Oh. And it's like what Jim Rohn always says, right? He says you become the average of the, the five people that you associate with most. And in going to college and, and associating myself with purposeful people helped me to find a new path. It helped me to find an, a new I don't know, other options, other possibilities. But even that, that changed. And, and the rest of the story, I went through college and then I got into the medical field and ended up again in, in, in kind of this, this percentile where I was, I was like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing what I love. And uh, actually, and then ended up quitting that and then changed my whole life and, and do what I do now. So uh, yeah, that was a long answer to your question, but no, I love it because it gives the whole background to all this because what I think is great about you is in an interview you talked about how you were at a job that you were making over a hundred grand a year and you decided to quit it 
Is that right? I was, I was doing really, I was doing really well financially, but but that was kind of it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and so you quit your job, and now you're speaking, and your demo videos, like, they are, I just, as I watched all your different things, I'm like, wow, like, you really just seem like such a great speaker and that these kids can relate to, and so I just think it's so great that you realized, because what were you were at P.F. Chang's with your friends, and you talked about, what's that word that you used? I can't think of it right now. Where, uh, the anomaly. Yes, yeah, because they, you're, yeah. you were like... Do you think that you can love your job and make money, right? Well, it was kind of, I posed the question. I said, what if you could find one job that allowed you to do what you love, like was full of passion? Like you, you, at the end of the day, you're not tired. Like you're more fulfilled by what you're doing. And, and it, it's, it's just, you, you love it. It's like the thing that keeps you up at night. Like if you, if you had a job that allowed you to do that, but then it also allowed you to provide for yourself in a way that was sufficient for your needs. And then the third part was what if that job could also allow you to do something bigger than yourself, like contributed to your purpose in life and that, that you weren't, you weren't just simply, I mean, cause passion and doing what you love is very, very much about you and what you love. But purpose is about doing something bigger than yourself. It's doing something for other people. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about being the best for the world. So what if you could find one job, that allowed you to do all three most of the time. And I'm sitting down at dinner with my, my, my buddies and I posed that question and they fired back at me and they said, I don't think that's possible. I, I don't think, I don't think that happens. And, and one of my friends said, I, that's an anomaly. Like that's, that's an anomaly for most people. If you find something that's doing that, man, that is rare. And I, I just, I kind of, and I argued with them back and forth and I, I just, I don't believe that. I don't, and there's gotta be, there's gotta be, a job out there, something that I can do with most of my time during the day that I, that I love and that it provides for me in a way that's sufficient for my needs and it's and doing something bigger than myself. And so two weeks after that conversation, I quit my job and I left and I left to become the anomaly. Well, and you also talked about how all these speaking opportunities just started coming up. You know, it's like when you really do make that move and you're like, this is what I want to do. Good things happen. Everybody loves the Rocky story. Yeah. Everybody loves the, the Rudy stories, those inspirational, moving messages that, that you kind of have the underdog or, or the person that no one thought would make it. And, and they do. And they, they love that. And that's a, most people are drawn to that kind of stuff because it's inspiring and it's different, right? Those people, it's the anomaly. You don't see that very often. And so I did. I, I made an announcement, and I, I put it out to the world. And, and really, literally, in, in a lot of I burned my ships. I, I just, I had no background. Like, I couldn't go back. It was like this. I'm moving forward no matter what. I burned the ships, and I announced it to the world. I am doing this. And it, the support from people was amazing. And, uh just uh, so many people that came out of the woodwork to, to help, help, help the underdog, to help the person that's trying to live, to help the person that's trying to do good for the world. Right. And, 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 and to live, not just exist, you know, to live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people just merely exist. Yeah. It was a cool thing. Talking about speaking, I, I have two questions I want to ask about this. So like, what is your most memorable speaking event that you've had so far? And also, is there a speaking event you've had that just did not go according to plan? Yeah, for sure. I, I think one of the most memorable events were, I, I have a story where I had a teacher 
that changed my life when I was, when I was younger, Mr. Jensen. And he gave me my very first pair of drumsticks when everybody else thought I was a problem. He saw me as, as an opportunity. He saw me as a drummer. And, uh, and so that was 20 years ago. And I just had the opportunity, uh, not long ago to speak at Wasatch high school, my, my alma mater, my, my, my school that I, I went to. And while I was speaking to the students, uh, they brought him out onto the court and Mr. Jensen's still alive. And he came and I play the drums at, at school assemblies and, and at corporate meetings and at keynotes and any, anytime I'm speaking, I'm almost always playing the drums. And uh, that was one of the first times since 20 years from the day he gave me my first pair of drumsticks that Mr. Jensen got to watch me play. And I, I rocked it and, and played this drum solo in front of 2,000 kids, but most importantly in front of Mr. Jensen. And that was just, that was so cool. That was such a fun moment for me, for the audience, uh, just to see the impact that you can have uh, when you choose to just believe in people. And so, so that was probably, yeah, the most epic moment. And, oh, man, the, the, the failures are the, the things that don't go right all the time. I have, I have a part in my keynote where I bring somebody out and I, I, I ask the audience, is there somebody that can sing? And one kid raised his hand and he's like, yeah, I can sing. And he came down and we're in front of a, a student body of 2,500 kids and the dude couldn't sing. And the whole purpose of me bringing down as a singer is so they can sing in front of the student body. And it's this cool, like, build a self-esteem awesome moment where a kid kind of digs deep within their soul and what they've got. And they, they just put it out there in front of the school. And it's a really cool moment. And uh, it just it just bombed. It did not oh, go man. well because the kid couldn't sing. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was kind of an embarrassing, like, what do I do now? And, yeah, that was not that, fun. That's super awkward, too, because that kid like probably is like, oh, man, I don't want to be up here. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, I shouldn't have volunteered. And I looked down and I said, yep, you shouldn't have volunteered. (laughs) But, you know, that just shows that things don't go according to plan. So, um, Yep, yep. You got to be able to make it work. You got to be able to bounce back and figure something out. (laughs) Be flexible. So let's go back, though, to Mr. Jensen, because, like, so cool that this teacher, because you were in elementary school. Yep. When he gave you these drumsticks, because you were like fidgety, and I'm gonna have the link to the video on the website because it's such a good video. Oh, awesome. But so for all those teachers out there that may be, they might have a child in their class that is a little fidgety or they feel like is a little troublemaker. What's your advice to them? Because if Mr. Jensen would have just been like, "Oh, it's just Clint," and been frustrated, like you, you may have never discovered this talent of playing the drums. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. We all need someone to believe in us. And, and far too often, our perception determines our reality. It happens all the time. Perception determines reality, and then reality predicts behavior. And so the way we view other people determines what we see and obviously how we, we interact, which dictates our behavior, right, and, 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 and how, how, we, how we treat people, how we even treat ourselves. And I was in the medical field for a long time and I had a, I was at a conference and a surgeon posed the question to a bunch of other medical professionals. And he said, what, what is, what is killing more, more people in this world than anything else? What kills more people? And he posed the question to, again, all these medical professionals and they rose their hands and they said, 
uh, heart disease and they said uh, diabetes or stress or cancer or uh, anxiety or depression or all these different things. And he turned them down on everything they were saying, every one of them. And at the end of it, he said the number one reason why we are losing so many people and the reason why people are dying is misdiagnosis. Misdiagnosis. He said, think about it. Think about it. Patient comes in and says, hey, I'm having chest pains. I've got, I've got a headache. I, I, I just don't feel very good. I, I've, I've got the cold sweats. I've, I, I just, I hurt. And the doctor says, well, you, you're probably overworked. You're stressed. You, let's give you some blood pressure med- medication. Let's send you home. If you have some more issues in the next two days, call me. Patient goes home, goes, home, goes to bed, has a heart attack during their sleep and dies. Or a patient comes in the clinic and says, I'm, I've got some tingling down my arm. I've got some numbness, uh, headache. I, I, I've just shoulder pain. I, I, I just, I don't know what it is. Doctor says, let's get you to a physical therapist. Let's get you some ibuprofen to reduce the swelling. Uh, try sleeping on your other side, all these different things. Right. And the patient goes home and dies from a stroke misdiagnosis. Well, we look at someone and we say, mm, you're a problem. Oh, you're a nuisance. Oh, you, you're a troubled teen. Oh, you're a troubled person. Oh, you don't, we, we just, we, we're so quick to diagnose people based off of just what we see. But every, every person has potential. Every person has gifts. Every person has strengths. And we have to, especially if, if teachers are listening to this, think of ways to create that connection. It's about creating understanding. If you've ever been frustrated with somebody, and, and you're just, you're, 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 you're trying to have an argument. You're trying to have a debate. You're trying to be understood, right? We're all trying to, to strive for understanding. But, but when somebody actually understands you, if you're frustrated, you get in an argument and someone goes, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. Now, everything dissipates. Everything, everything changes. And in that moment you go, cool, you get me. Oh, yeah. When people feel like they're understood, you open up the window for change. And, and so we have to connect and get on their level. Every kid is asking the question, let me know when it gets to the part about me. And kids just want to be heard. And so, so do you take interest in what they love? Do you immerse in their, in their, in their language? Do you, do you talk their talk? Do you, do you do the things that they do? Do you see the world in through their eyes? And sometimes it comes down to just simply asking questions, right? And Mr. Jensen asked me, he said, have you ever thought about playing the drums? He looked at the strengths, not the weaknesses. He focused on the things that I was doing and said, how can we make this an effective, beneficial thing in your life? And he asked me. And I think a lot of parents and teachers, they don't ask their kids sometimes. just simply a question of, hey, what can I do to be a better parent in your life? Or, or, or what can I do uh, to, to be a better teacher? What, what do you need from me? I think it's so easy. Sometimes we just don't ask. And a lot of kids are willing to tell you. They'll tell you. They'll tell you the things you're not doing right. They'll, they'll, they'll talk to you about the things they wish you would do better. And so sometimes we just have to ask. And, and some parents might be listening to this or teachers and say, man, if I ask my kid, there's no way my kid would tell me the truth. But then, then you can ask questions like, tell me, tell me what you love about your favorite teacher. Or tell me what you hate about your worst teacher. Or tell me why you, you love Brittany so much, but you can't stand Stephanie. Listen. Listen for the patterns. Listen for what your kid engages in. Listen for what your kid connects with. Listen to, to what moves them. What language are they speaking? Have, have you ever seen that, that commercial, Steph, about uh, the German Coast Guard? They, there's, there's this boat. They're out in the, in, the, in the ocean in Europe. They're, they're sinking. 
and they call into the German Coast Guard. And they're like, we're sinking, we're sinking. You know, they're speaking in this American accent. We're speaking, we're sinking. <laughs> and, and the German Coast Guard says, what are you sinking about? <laughs> right? Like, like we got we to talk their language. We've got to connect with them on their level. And so if you have a kid that just isn't, figure out how do I do that? How do I speak their language? How do, how do I make them feel like it's about them, not about me? No, that's a great point to, of just the asking questions. And if you don't get a response, like how you were able to reword it and be like, well, what's your favorite teacher? Like, what do you like least about this teacher or whatever? So, so. Yeah, and you can look for those patterns. I think so, so often we're all about, this is what you need. This is what you should do. Because you're either a teacher or a parent or you're coming from an area of expertise. It, it's kind of like that. Have you ever heard that you, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day? Mm-hmm. But if you teach a man to fish, then you feed him for a lifetime. You've heard that before, right? Yeah. But but who said who said the guy wanted a fish? Good point. I don't like fishing, right? Like <laughs> like what what did we ask him? Did we ask the guy if he wants a fish? Like ask them, ask them what they need. Ask them, go, go to their level. Ask those questions. Build those connections. Seek to collaborate. Don't control people. I like it. Very wise words, Clint. Very wise. Well, well, thanks. <laughs> so I have a few, I'm going to switch gears, but I have a few questions that as I've listened to your other stuff, I've been like, man, I want to ask him these things. And I'm like, yeah, I get to interview him so I can ask him. Cool. So first let's talk about how you had this bucket list and one of the things on it was to be in a movie and then you just like call up an agency <laughs> And you're like, hey, I, I'm looking to be in a movie. And you get one of the lead roles for Saturday Warrior. Saturday Warriors? Saturday's Warrior, yeah. Saturday's Warrior. I knew I had it wrong. And I just was thinking, I'm like, who just does that? That's like so cool. As I've watched your other interviews, I've been like, man, I wonder, like, what was one of your favorite moments from that set? Because this was a whole new experience for you, right? Oh, totally. Like you're immersed into the movie set life where you have, literally 500 people on set moving around uh, the, the, the set pieces and the lighting and, and the, the director's talking and they're looking for locations and then you got to control the background and, and the sound and all these, there's so many moving pieces to a movie set. And I think that was one of the cool experiences for me was, was being immersed in this world where so much was going on, but so many people were working together on a common goal. And, and you had so many people from so many different walks of life. And man, on movie sets, there's just so much wisdom. There's so many cool people from so many different walks of life. And so it, that, those are the cool moments was the relationships that were built. Because when, when you're on a movie set, you are there all day long. Uh, scene after scene, and you shoot a scene, then they have to rotate the, all of the lighting, all of the camera, all the angles to shoot the scene from the opposite direction. And then they've got, like, there's just, it's a long process. And so you have a lot of time, uh, for the most part, to sit around and to just build relationships and to talk to people and have fun and hear where people are from and, and their life experiences. And so I just, I met so many amazing, incredible people that I was able to build relationships with. But still to this day, they are like family. And uh, so that, that, those, are, those are the magic moments. Didn't you have your regular job and this was just a fun thing on the side? or? Yeah, no, I was still working in the medical field. Yeah, I, I just 
Yep, I was still working another job, and then I would take days off or vacation days, and those were my days that I was on set filming a movie. See, I think that's so cool. I love when people just have their little side hobbies, and especially that this was something on your bucket list that you're like, oh, I need to go check this one off. It's on the list. Hashtag it's on the list. If it's on the list, it's got to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's when. It's got to happen. There you go. So what, what else has been on your list that you've accomplished? Oh, that I've accomplished? Uh, okay. Well, I, I We swam with dolphins on my honeymoon. That was oh. really cool. That was on the list. Skydiving, obviously, was on the list. Uh, one thing that I haven't done yet that I'm looking forward to doing um, here soon is send a message in a bottle. Oh. I was like, that's really cool. That's um, and there's also a lot of, a lot of other, like, uh, you know, donate $100 to a, stra- a stranger. Uh, buy somebody's groceries. Um I want to start a youth foundation called Dream Machines that gives kids that are underprivileged their first opportunity to experience flight and to have their first flight lesson. Yeah, so it's all across the board. It's it's there's adventure, there's living, there's vacation, there's uh, doing, but there's also significant things and and you know being being a father is on there and uh, marrying the greatest woman in the world that's checked off. Um, yeah, so there's just. There's some, yeah, both fun, but also meaningful and important things, too. So you brought up your wife. I wanted to ask you about this because I love love. So you met her right when you were out filming for Saturday's Saturday's Warrior, but she wasn't on the set, right? She just was... Correct. Yeah, she was not on the movie set. Yep. And, okay, can we talk about this, that it took nine months for her to accept a date? What was that process like? Yeah, we can talk about that for <laughs> sure. So I so I believe, I'm a person, I've always believed that the, the power of just 20 seconds of insane courage from the movie we, yeah, we, we bought a zoo. zoo. Yeah, love it too. And, it, and it's cool what can happen if you can just muster up 20 seconds, even 10 seconds of just crazy insane courage. Uh, it's amazing what can happen from that. And, and so with Kelly... People just told me about her, and so I I knew her basically by just a name and a referral from friends on movie sets that knew her because she worked in movies and she was in L.A. and and, an actress and did commercials and modeling and uh, voiceover stuff. So I, I just, that's all I knew a name. And so I just, I Facebooked her. I took 20 seconds of insane courage and I shot her a message on Facebook and I said, Hey, what's going on? My name's Clint. I'm filming this movie. Uh, you seem really nice. Uh, when are you back in Utah? Because <laughs> I knew she was from Utah, but she was living in LA. And she didn't write me back for like two weeks. Playing hard to get, two weeks. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it was, and I, and I talked to her about it now, and she's like, well, I didn't know who you were. You were just some person that randomly messaged me that you like were on a movie set, and yeah, that's cool and all. And you lived in Utah, and she was in LA. And so, but, but there's power in persistence. And I've always believed that persistent, persistent, eventually you'll succeed. And so I just kept, I kept persisting. And I, I just said, so she, I mean, she went right back. And I said, so, uh, tell me about yourself. Tell I mean, how's the movie life in, in LA? I'm, I'm here filming in, in, in Utah. And I wasn't in, I wasn't filming movies in LA yet at that time. So it was, it was kind of just, I was interested in her world. And then she finally wrote back and, and, and so it just took some time to build, and she was actually kind of, kind of getting out of a relationship at that time, and uh, and so and then that ended, and uh, yeah, it just it, we just talked back and forth, and so it, and then she actually came to Utah one time, and I was stuck in surgery in my medical job, uh, working, I couldn't get out 
in time to meet her. So I actually kind of stood her up on our first time we were supposed to meet. Oh, so anyways, long story short, it took, it took it took nine months, nine months to to meet, and I'll never forget. We actually on our first date, I think it was October twenty eighth, and that was that was the day I quit my job. <laughs> Oh, so really? The first time we actually went on our job, she's like, so what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, I'm actually unemployed as uh, of today. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a miracle, Steph, is what I'm trying to say, that it worked out. I love it. Wait, and so what was like the first thing that impressed you about her when you met her? Easy. She glowed. She, she glowed. Kelly glows. She is just that girl that represents just elegance and kindness and uh, womanhood, courage, commitment, diligence. She's just, and she glows. She glows. And I, I, I think, I don't know, on a spiritual note, I think it's it's just the spirit and the presence of of her relationship with, with her, with her God and her Heavenly Father. And I love that. Oh, that was, that was the most attractive thing about her. Yes, she's, she's beautiful. And yes, she had a good personality, but but just she glowed. She had that that light in her eyes and in her heart that I fell in love with. My sister, she always says oozing goodness, which I don't like the word oozing as much, but I like glowed. That sounds. <laughs> <so great. laughs> yep, yep, I love it. I love it. So, so in just talking about dating, I mean. I feel like a lot of people that are single, you know, like sometimes it can be frustrating. So was it ever hard for you or what's your advice for all those single Pringles out there? Since you just, you recently came out of being single, I guess, like a year ago. Yeah, I was single for a long time. I was 30 years old when I got married. And I, I watched it. I, I watched it happen all the time where sometimes in, in, in depending on where you're at in, in Utah and the culture you're in or the religion you're a part of or there's sometimes a lot of pressure that goes with getting married, obviously, and people are, are getting married. Or they're, they're, we got to get we, we got to get to it. That's the next step. Get it done. Get it done. And so I, I don't know. I, and I saw a lot of people get so so worried about that to the point where it would it would debilitate them to where they just gave up. And there's a lot of single people out there that are just like, nah, I'm just I'm done. I'm done with dating. I'm done. I'm done with that. It's like nah, I'm on a break. I'm just I'm focusing on me. You get all these different weird reasons and, and obviously to each their own and, and perception, right, determines reality and that predicts behavior. But but for me, I always looked at I gotta keep going. Like I got if I if I just take a break, like that's got that's not gonna do me any good. And my goal, I did have the goal to, to get married. I knew that, that would be a beneficial and important thing in my life. And so I guess my advice would, would be is just just keep going. Most people give up on their dreams when there's only 10% left to give. And, and, and despite how hard it is or how frustrating it is, if you just, if you keep moving, God, God can't steer a parked car. And so if you're moving and you're facing in the right direction, all you got to do is just keep walking. So keep, keep walking, you know, surround yourself with good people, continue to, to, to stay on your knees, continue to, to pray, to do your part, to be your best self. Uh, if you don't like what you're attracting, then change what's attracting it. Uh, and if you don't like what you're catching, then go to another pond. You know, sometimes you got to move around, you got to search, you got to dig. But, but you, but you put forth your effort. You, you put in the effort. You put in the time. That's 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 a life principle. Uh, you, you, the fruits of your labor. If you continue to keep moving, uh, God can create miracles. It's amazing what happens. Just don't give up. Keep going. Keep pushing. Stay faithful. 
and good things come. There's two things that you said there that really stood out. The first is that most people give up when they just have 10% left before their goal. And then that God is not a parked car. I love those two things. So Yeah, God can't steer a parked car. So so keep moving. So along the lines of impossible and goals, have you ever had a goal that felt impossible? Yeah, I've had had a lot of goals that that were impossible or that seemed like it wasn't ever going to happen. I mean, when I was a little kid, I loved the circus. Like uh, people still think that's so weird. I loved the circus. The circus represented so many cool things like old traditional circus back in the day. Like towns would shut down when the circus came to town. It was just, it represented the world. It was the Google of the day. Like, people didn't have TV. Like, when the circus rolled into town, that showed you what was possible. That was the first time people ever saw a tiger or a giraffe or, or you know, and, and what people could do. And that's why people ran away with the circus. It was, it just represented something that was so powerful and moving and magical. And, like, when I was little, I wanted to be a tiger trainer. I thought that would be so cool to <laughs> work it. with the animals. And, like, but then, but then I had allergies. I have allergies that I can't, I can't ever have a dog or a cat or be around any animals with fur. And, uh, and so that, that dream was kind of impossible. Um, but, the, but it's cool if you look for opportunities despite the roadblocks. It's amazing what can still come throughout your life. And I think sometimes you believe in God or angels, but even I, I would dare say everybody that's listening to this still believes in hope. If you're willing to still hope for good things to come and you, and you look for for ways to still make things happen. Nothing's really truly impossible in some form. Like I'm not a, a helicopter pilot anymore because of my eyes, but I still fly. I, I added, I added, they came out with a new procedure that uh, still experimental to this day. It's called cross-linking. I had the operation done to my right and my left eye and it stopped the progression of the disease. And yeah, I can't fly professionally, but I still fly. And, and, and I couldn't be a tiger trainer, but then I found out that I wasn't allergic to llamas. And so I, I, I bought two llamas. Two llamas? Two llamas, Miko and Paco. And we freaking did circuses for the neighborhood kids growing up, and we threw down and rocked the coolest, raddest, baddest backyard circus you've ever seen. I love it. <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of the whole, like, freaking make, make lemonade out of lemons sort of thing. Like, yeah, sometimes things might seem impossible, but if, but if, you, if you change your perspective and you focus on, on what is possible... Good, good things can still happen. No, it's so true. And I love the, your example with the llamas, that you weren't allergic to them and you were able to put on the best circus in the the whole neighborhood. So, yeah, yep, totally. Llama trainer. Llama trainer for life. <laughs> Do you still have llamas? I don't. I, I live in a, in a community that doesn't have room for llamas. Mm, but Too bad. Yeah, one day though, I'd get another pair of llamas. They're awesome. <laughs> so, were you super excited when Napoleon came out and there was that llama? Yeah, freaking what? What's the llama's name in that movie? Tessa or something? Or Tina or something? Yeah, yeah. And okay, so you have a fourth movie coming out, and isn't it with that Napoleon guy? Yeah. So, so the the one the movie with Jack Black and John Hedder is 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 about to come out soon. Um, it's called The Unexpected Race, but I just finished another movie, the fourth movie, that comes out next spring in, in theaters, and it's called Trek, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that one, too. It's going to be, it'll be a fun, fun movie. Wait, so your first one was Saturday's Warrior, and then what was the second one? And then the second one was The Christmas Project, and then Unexpected Race, and now Trek, so I've done four motion picture movies. That's so um, sweet. Yeah. 
Yeah, within two years. It's crazy. Uh, just because I dream. I, people need to dream more while they're awake. I would encourage that. Dream more while you're awake. Crazy what, crazy what happens when you get a bucket list and you just, just give it a go. Well, and that's like what I think is so cool that that was just some random thing on your bucket list and look at all these opportunities that it's opened up. And I'm excited for your two new movies coming out. So this September and then in the spring. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep. And the springtime is the fourth one. Oh, and then I wanted to talk to you about, so you have a book coming out. Right? I do. I actually have two two books that are coming out. How do you have time for all this stuff? No, it's, I don't know. I don't know sometimes stuff. that. That's another thing. You can't run uh, faster than you have strength. So there's a definitely balance that, that has to happen. But, but but when you have a to-do list and you, you get specific on your goals and you are good at time management and uh, staying focused on things that, that really are important, it, you can get a lot done. It's surprising. But yeah, the two, two new books, uh, the, the, the teen book is, is Becoming the Anomaly. How to Live a Life by Design, Not by Default. And it's all, helping, it's all about helping kids to, to figure out, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And how do I how do I live, not just exist? And then, and then the second book is a, a book for uh, corporations, which focuses on mentorship in the workplace, and and how to manage millennials in in the workplace. So, how to connect with the younger generation. Man, those sound awesome. I'm just impressed. Like what you were saying, if you have a to-do list, how you can get a lot done. It's so true. I like, I always have a to-do list and some stuff will stay on there for months. And then when I finally like have one of those days that I get everything done, I'm like, that was so easy. Why didn't I just do it months ago? Like my oil change or, you know, like just those little tasks. So... Yes, yes, totally. Keep the main thing the main thing. So look at clintpulver.com for updates for his books and for his new movies. This was like so much fun and I really liked your answers, all the questions. You're just so inspirational. So mm, well, thank you. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Again, it's it's cool when people are doing stuff that they're passionate about and that they love and that's what your podcast represents. So it's it's very cool to be a part of it. And I seriously sent out your Mr. Jensen video to so many of my friends. I was like, this video is so cool. <laughs> so mm, that's awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks for doing that and spreading the word and the message and I hope it inspires people because that's why we made it. Um, have a good night. And it's so nice chatting with you. I feel like we're friends now. Yeah, I love it. We are friends now. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, see you, Clint. All right, peace, Steph. Bye. Remember, guys, to put on your shoes, do your best, and believe in the impossible. Thanks for listening. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming. All my dreams are coming true. Thank you so much for pushing play and listening to this episode. For more information about today's guests, head on over to NotablePeeps.com. And while you're there, make sure to submit your nomination for who would be a great guest on the Notable Peeps podcast.